0: Don't wait too fast, don't work don't wait to strong things. Shout down.
1: Shout down right now. Shout down. Shout down. Don't wait to
0: make Hey everyone and welcome to the filler show. I'm gonna grab my coffee you grab yours too. You know, one of the things that I love about this show, and I hope you do too, but one of the things that it's built on is the premise that everybody has a story. Sometimes people think that the only stories that matter are the ones where somebody's super successful or super, something super crazy happened, it's super dramatic, or whatever the situation may be. But everybody's journey actually has such interesting stories. And as you continue to watch the show, I'm sure you found that it's like, wow, I really wouldn't have thought that, or I I really uh, connect with that person's story. You know, living in a town that I live in, it's so eclectic, so diverse, and everybody comes from so many different places and without their stories, we really don't know too much about them. So today I'm super excited that we have Kurt Miyazaki on uh, today. and I'm not going to do a huge preface. We're just going to jump in. You're going to learn and get inspired today. Kurt, how are you?
1: Hey, Philip. How are you doing?
0: Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm super. I got my coffee here. It's a beautiful day. All right. Well, I'm honored to be on your show, Philip. Oh, well, thank you, Kurt. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And for those of you who don't know, we're going to get into it. Um, but Kurt owns one of the premier places here in Yellow Springs, Ohio, called Emporium Wines and Underdog cafe. Kurt, before we jump into, you know, what the Emporium is, what it's all about, you live in Yellow Springs. You've been in a lot of different places. You've been in Milwaukee, North Carolina. You know, what's your kind of background and how did you end up in this little old town?
1: Well, it's a kind of a long story, but my kind of there's a long trajectory for my family. Uh, I'm a third-generation Japanese American, which is Sansei. And uh, my mom is from Hawaii. Originally, my father's from the west coast, um, Tacoma, Washington. So both of them made their way to the mainland to the mid Midwest. Uh, my mom on her like big adventure to leave Hawaii and and see what's in the big, you know, United <laughs> States because um, she was born in Hawaii when it wasn't a state. Oh, um, and my father uh, was born in on the west coast and made his way to the Midwest um, because of. Um, a scholarship from Macalester College in Minnesota in St. Paul um, that was, I think, specifically geared towards uh, kids who were in the internment camps uh, during World War II. Wow! My father's family was incarcerated in an internment camp um, during World War II, and he was 14. So it was kind of the hospitality of the Midwesterners that actually brought him uh, to the Midwest. Wow. But yeah, so the, the larger movement is coming from other places and ending up kind of in the middle of the country. So my mom uh, ended up being in uh, Minnesota mm-hmm. as a teacher. she did a, an exchange with another a teacher, she was a kindergarten teacher in Hawaii and she did an exchange with a kindergarten teacher from Minneapolis and they both switched um, in some kind of exchange program and they both stayed where they ended up being. So um, yeah, and then my mother and father met in Minnesota. Um, and the rest is history. <laughs>
0: oh, my goodness. That's so how Minnesota. me and my
1: family ended up in the Midwest.
0: Now, I know that you are an educator as well. Do you think that you got your passion for education um, from your mother?
1: Uh, yeah, there, yeah, yeah, perhaps. Perhaps. I mean, uh, um, my mom uh, worked with kindergartners. And now, when she goes back to Hawaii, my mom is 92. Oh. And she sees you know, 70 year old, uh, former students. So it's kind of cool. Wow. But, um, I think for my mom, one of the things like I've gotten is the idea of community. I mean, being mm-hmm. from Hawaii, it's a very, um, I, I grew up apart from that, but it's something I've kind of always imagined because when we'd go to Hawaii and we go many times as, as a family, a real, a real sense of community and, and, and togetherness and, and family and it's something that we had maybe a, a little bit less of growing up uh, in in the Midwest um, as Japanese Americans in Milwaukee is where I grew up I mean it's you know great people great communities uh, at the same time a little bit of this this kind of uh, isolation mm. um, uh, yeah I mean not, not to over uh, uh, dramatize it but it's there it was a certain sense of isolation because my suburb was um, a very kind place nice place but at the same time, we're the only one of the only people of color in the neighborhood uh, and at the school, so mm-hmm. it was a it was a little bit of a different experience.
0: So living there, um, where did you move to after that, and how did you start your journey towards okay, I'm going to go and become an educator, and then we're going to get to how you all of a sudden became a business owner of so many years.
1: Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Um. Well. Uh, Moved around a bit, um, went to school, um, at a certain point decided that I wanted to uh, pursue um, graduate school mm-hmm. and teach. Um, so I ended up going to the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill and got a degree in uh, political theory, political science with a, a concentration on political philosophy and political theory. And my, my uh, early in my graduate uh, studies, um, a, a very wise person told me to write about what you have to write about okay. write about what you need to do and so I ended up writing about uh, and, and looking into the idea of, of of homesickness and finding a place in the world and so even though I was a political uh, theorist, um, I used that kind of that my, those ideas to look for um, how we can find a place in the world mm. and feel at home. Um, and so that has kind of been, and, and a lot of things in life, especially I think in my case, I mean, you know, I don't realize that there are these threads that hold my life together until I've already done them. Mm, yeah. I didn't realize that I was writing about things that actually um, connect the different parts of my life together. But, um, but that, that idea of trying to find um, a place where you feel at home um, ends up being part of the reason I'm in Yellow Springs. Um, I never thought I would be in a town this small. I kind of thought I was moving towards larger and larger cities and I find myself in a town of 3000. Um, um, but I think it's the sense of home, feeling at home that, that's brought me here and it's, it's kept, it's kept uh, me here.
0: Yeah, that's interesting when you were telling your story and you were talking about the community and um, looking to you know feel a part of because it, it can be very ostracizing when you're the only person of color in a small you know town wherever you were in Milwaukee I think um, when you were saying it you know and then to kind of see you function here it's like ah that makes you know that makes so much sense your your desire for this sense of community mm-hmm. your um, your drive for that kind of connectivity uh, it, it just kind of is like an aha moment like oh because the emporium to me, is like a combination of all those things you just said.
1: Mm-hmm. It just
0: it just made it make so much. It's like a light bulb that went off of my head. It's like, ah
1: <laughs> And that makes yes. me so happy. That makes me so happy because that's exactly what what we're all trying to accomplish is to have a place where I mean Yellow Springs is a community that I feel for all its its faults and its problems, like everywhere else, it still has this ethic of welcoming people and creating a sense of, of community. and uh, and hopefully the emporium, uh, this cafe can be part of that. Yeah, Um, that people can anyone can feel like they can come in and have a conversation with someone else without feeling that they are not part of what's going on.
0: Yeah, it seems like you started building your sense of a personal community when you were um, in—is it college? You met your uh, your college sweetheart. Yeah, and you started (laughs) (laughs) then you started building your uh, your own community.
1: Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Uh, you know, I'm very lucky to have met my, the love of my life when I was 18 and we've been together for, I guess, 40 years. So yeah. Oh so yeah. Goodness. And we've done a lot, we all these different stages of our lives we've done together, which I'm, I feel very lucky that, um, that
0: she'll have me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm going to drink some coffee on that one. <laughs> so, um, so how has uh, so you um, you all met in college, uh-huh. and um, so how was that when you met in college? And was it both of you that decided like, hey, we want to move to Yellow Springs? How did your family make the decision to say, I think this is the place?
1: Well, um, we were both in academia, so we really didn't have too much of a choice of no. where we were going. It's kind of like you know, beggars can't be choosers. So we once we got our degrees, we were looking around and. Um, And yeah, and we ended up, uh, my partner ended up getting a job at Wittenberg, which is in Springfield. Um, I ended up having a brief kind of stint at Antioch College here in Yellow Springs. Um, And so, yeah, so we, and the, when we moved here from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, my brother who was living in Cincinnati at the time said, I know exactly where you need to live. And he um, uh, went and found a, a little house for us in Yellow Springs And this is a while ago, so he sent like pictures. (laughs) I think it's the internet of the house, and we we signed it without uh, you know the lease without seeing it, and then we came in and it was just amazing. And and uh, and we I think Ruth and I felt a real affinity to Yell Springs almost almost immediately. I mean, from meeting our neighbors and from from walking around downtown
0: before you saw the pictures. That's incredible. Setup, if you will, before you saw the images of Yellow Springs, were you familiar with the community at all?
1: I had a I had a pretty interesting professor who was an Antioch College grad. Mm. And, and and when I look back, it's like, now, now it all makes sense. But I had a really interesting, uh, and actually she was more of a, somebody I knew of who was uh, quite a thinker. Mm. Um, and so when I, when I was interviewing at Antioch College, I ended up contacting her and asking her about her impressions and, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it's it been, um, yeah, yeah. We ended up both coming here pretty much because of work, but allowing us to stay, I mean, you know, there are other places to live and, um, and I, I'm so happy that we were able to find a place that, that, uh, you know, we love more than, even more than our jobs, <laughs> you know, that's, wow. that's, that's, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of kind of difficult to find. And I, I had friends who were looking all over um, the country for jobs because you have to in academia. And, you know, quite frankly, some of the places might not have been very hospitable to them. And mm. so, and you couldn't really choose sometimes. So you might be in a place where you don't feel as comfortable. And so I, we're, I feel like we're very lucky we ended up here.
0: So going from academia, how did you go from academia to Emporium Wines and underdog cafe. That seems like a, it seems like a huge leap from <clears throat> wine and coffee.
1: Well, we, we've we always, I've always loved wine and coffee. So that's been, uh, but what ended up happening was I've always had a, an interest in cafes. And in fact, one of my chapters in my dissertation was on public and private space and the cafe space in the 19th century and uh, early 20th century. And, um, and so I've always been interested in cafes, and in fact, my, uh, Ruth and I have had always had an interest in, in somehow having having a space that's like a cafe space. So it was in the plans before um, before I left academia, and uh, but what ended up happening is uh, Ruth and I decided to start a family, and uh, we had our, our young our our son when we were both tenure Track um, and in at the same school, um, which in many ways, in academia is just winning the lottery to have two tenure track jobs yeah. at the same school. Yeah, I mean, we were just so lucky. So it was very difficult. And, you know, I enjoyed my colleagues and my classes, um, but at, at a certain point, it was pretty difficult to, for us at least, to um, take care of our child and who was then two uh, and, and I don't know, just do it. And other people do it, and I have a tremendous amount of respect for that, but it was, it was difficult for us. So I ended up uh, resigning from my teaching position and spending a year with my son. Um, and it was wild. He's a <laughs> He's a wild two-year-old boy. Um, and then uh, and prior to that, I had worked at when I was writing my dissertation, I had worked at uh, the Emporium with Nita Murphy my boss, my great boss and worked behind the counter and loved it. Um, and so I contacted her when I left academia and I said, if you're ever interested in a partner, let me know. Um, and I said, I need at least a year with my son. And um, after almost, I think it was exactly a year, she she called me and said, I wanna, I wanna retire. So do you wanna uh, do this?
0: I, I, um, I'm gonna put a pin right there cause I wanna go back. You both were on the tenure track, you had, mm-hmm um, your son. And I think culturally hearing you say that you decided to stay home is different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, how did you all make the decision together to say it's going to be you that stays home? Because in Mm -hmm. our mind, stereotypically it would have been your partner who stayed home, stayed home. Yeah. No, great
1: question. How did you, how
0: did you do that?
1: Yeah. Gosh. You know, I mean, um, that's a great question. I mean, I think we just, talked it over. And that was something that uh, Ruth was also um, farther along. She had gotten a tenure track job before me. So I was a visiting professor and I had been there for a while without being tenure track. So um, she was ahead of me. Probably had, probably had a better chance of getting tenure than I did mm-hmm. too. So <laughs> she's, <laughs> but um, so yeah, so I think it was, and I think also to be honest with you um, I, I have kind of a, I, I get restless pretty quickly. And so, um, you know, I really enjoyed the job and I enjoyed my colleagues, but, um, but I, I can get kind of twitchy and wanting to leave things. So, so that seemed like the right thing to do at the time. And gotcha. and, and now my wife is, you know, the has done, has had a, a great academic career and is, you know, so, it, and it works out, it works out pretty well. And it's good to have balance because instead of us, both coming home and and having to grade essays or papers or both uh, doing committee work, Uh, she can come home and I can have some wine and coffee for her. And it's a better better mix, I think.
0: Yeah. All right, so to take the pin out, Nita, you were talking to her and Mm -hmm. you're working behind the counter and now all of a sudden, insert Emporium Wines.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting because she had done it by herself for so long. Uh, an amazing woman, uh, pretty much ran, ran with the help of the community, but also was just a really amazing person. And she's still, she's living out in Berkeley now. Um, I am very indebted to her to, to for her to entrust the Emporium, uh, with, with, uh, with some young upstart young, young at the time. But, um, but she, um, yeah, she was a great person. And I think, uh, I don't know how she looks at it, but I look at it as it's a very yellow Springs moment because I didn't have any money or experience. um, And, but she, you know, was willing to at least offer to me the space that she cared about that she loved. Um, I think, and I think it's because she knew that, that I loved it too. I think, you know? Um, So, yeah. So, I mean, I normally, if we were living somewhere else, I don't think any of these opportunities would come along because we didn't really fit the mold. You know,
0: yeah, I know a lot of people, you know, they have their own perspective of what the Emporium is. Some people call it like the living room to Yellow Springs, some people say it's the heartbeat of Yellow Springs, some people go there for the exclusive wines, and you know, there's all these concepts from you. What is the Emporium? What is it?
1: That's, yeah, some, sometimes it's like the bathroom of Yellow Springs. <laughs> 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 we, do, we do have the only uh public toilet at uh <laughs> well i mean it's hopefully it just reflects back the town um because it 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 It. when ruth and i were looking to to do the emporium we were thinking well we don't have any experience really in this and and one of the things we thought of is you know at least you know we, we could fail but at least we'll we'll will keep it what it's supposed to be, you know. I mean, a space where hopefully everyone feels at home to come to come and hang out, and um, and it could be something. I mean, it could be. We know it could be worse. We know it could be like an old navy or something, and then it would be terrible. So, um, so, um, so yeah. So I, I mean, we. I see it as more of a mirror of the town. Um, um, we don't really a lot of things about the emporium um, are just provided by the town by the people. We provide the chairs, the tables, the atmosphere. We try to make it so everyone feels welcome. But um, but it's the it's yeah it's just I, and, I, and I always say this, but I couldn't do this. I'm not really a business person, as as you know, Philip. <laughs> but um, but it, I don't think I could do this in another town because it's more like there's a community, and you know I'm allowed to have a space and it works. But I don't think I could go out in the world and. Create some business, and 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 it's more about the community. It's set it inside the community.
0: Yeah, the Emporium has a lot of very unique features, and one of those features kind of aligns with one of the two things we were talking about, and that's wine. You know, (laughs) the Emporium has an amazing selection of natural wine. Why was it so important, or why is it, you know, so important for um, the Emporium or for you? to have such a kind of like a wine identity, like what's mm. the passion there? Cause you're, you're all about wine and I love it. You know, what's the, <laughs> you know, what's the what is it?
1: Yeah. So. I mean, it, you think about, I mean, we have, we have great espresso, we have wine, we have chocolate. I mean, it's, we have a lot of, and then we've got this great food. I mean, it sounds like I'm promoting, but I mean, it's, it's really a pleasurable place and it's a pleasurable place to be. Um, you know, I mean, wine is something that's always been part of my life. I started drinking uh, red wine when I was in Spain with my wife's t- uh, uh, does Spanish uh, literature and language and we spent some time in spain and um and I associate it more not so much with um i mean it has it carries such kind of class and s- somewhat snobby appeal to people yeah. but to me wine is all about like it's a very social uh, liquid it's a social drink um and I associate my memories of red wine with just hanging out with people in Spain and just you know, it's just a—you uh, can't separate the social element from the physical element—and mm. um, and so I always see wine as something that's very very brings people together. Mm. Um, and unlike unlike things, I mean, in many ways, beer is a different kind of energy to it, um, um, and hard alcohol has a different kind of energy. Wine has a certain kind of uh, community element, mm. um, and so yeah. And you know, I, when I started doing this, I was actually kind of moving away from wine. Oh. I was drinking wine but it wasn't that you know it was, it was interesting uh but it so having the wine store now starts to kind of has really um allowed me to kind of explore that avenue and uh, and I'm indebted to a former colleague uh Zachary who really introduced me to wines um to natural wines and uh way before it was something that was uh, um popular so, um, uh, so yeah, shout out to, to Zachary for introducing me to all these things.
0: So for somebody who's listening, you know, mm-hmm. and you said introducing you to natural wine, a lot of people think that it's kind of like, well, I don't understand what natural. What's the, what's the difference like in a, in a kind of like elevator pitch? Uh-huh. Or what, why, why, why natural wine? What's the difference?
1: Well, a, a lot of wine is produced. Uh, there's a lot of wine produced in the world. And so um, much of it is more industrially produced in terms of um, scale. But natural wines are going to be organic, so no chemicals are used. Um, also, the way it's made is different. There's, it's unfiltered and unfined, meaning that uh, some of the some people believe that the less you filter it, the more the, the more depth, the more complexity you get. Um, and it's also uh, uh, undergoes indigenous or spontaneous yeast fermentation, meaning that it will the winemakers will throw the the Grapes and the stems into a, some kind of container. It can be terracotta. It can be cement. It can be, a, and they and the the natural yeast from the air and the skins ferment. So it's like the way wine was made thousands of years ago. Uh, we have more technology now, so we can take different strains of yeast and put them in <clears throat> to make to allow different alcohol levels, and it gives you more control over the wine. But to allow spontaneous yeast fermentation or Indigenous yeast, whatsoever in the air, is to actually tie it to the place more, to tie mm. it to the to the actual plants they're growing. Uh, and natural wines are generally a smaller production. Um, they're generally um, family owned. I mean, that's the ideal, um, and, uh, th- and they tend to be a little bit more expensive because they're more um, they they're smaller production. But um, but yeah, but it's a it, it's a it's a healthier way to consume wine and it's um it's also actually okay better for the planet better you know i mean it's a cliche but it's 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 better environmentally so so that's the direction we've gone and we and also it tastes just amazing i mean natural wine is um i like traditional wines and i've told people this i have you know i have uh, lots of you know old french bottles and this and that but when i come home um I'm drinking almost only natural wine, and it's because mm. it's lighter in alcohol. It it has a certain freshness, um, and it's yeah. I don't know, but that so so the proof is kind of in the pudding. Yeah. Um, as a lifelong w- wine drinker, I'm drinking more and more natural wines, and I and I, so feel better about it too. So
0: yeah, that's so interesting because I think a lot of people would um, would kind of miss that part or just not know that part or not know to mm-hmm. inquire about that. Okay, so for for the Emporium, if you go Mm -hmm. into the Emporium, you see like, such personal care that you give kind of each component with the handwritten cards for your wine. Like when you take the tour of the wine section, all of the descriptions are handwritten. There's kind of like a a, a method to where the wines are placed. It's literally like a tour in the cafe. There's like the Kurt touch of everything, you know. So with, with all of you packed into this place, kind of like a passion career slash project, what is next for you
1: yeah that's another great question um i mean one of the yeah you know i'm I'm 59 now so it's one of those things where there are all these i don't know questions about what which how you what you do at the at the end part of your life and um and i, I think we had this conversation before but when i was younger i used to always uh, think about death and the idea of dying, and it was kind of, in some ways, kind of a preoccupation of mine. And you know, I went through these different phases with philosophers and existentialism and all these things like that. Um, but what one of the things I didn't didn't realize because I was younger was that that you you know, I thought death was just kind of turning off your life, uh, maybe in mid sentence or midstream. But one thing I didn't realize because I was more foolish and young was that your your physical body starts to give you the cues that, hey, you know, this is, you know, you are not uh, 18 anymore. And so for myself, I mean, I've had certain health issues and things. And so it's very interesting to me that your body starts to say, okay, you, you can't do this anymore or you shouldn't do this anymore. <laughs> and and so, yeah, so those kinds of questions about the end, the, I mean, I guess I, it, it sounds morbid, but like the, the final part of your life um, have been on my mind and, and I, and, uh, my partner and I are trying to work our way through that. I mean, it's one of those things where I love working. I love every day I walk in the important, I love going in. Yeah. Um, mm. and I love my coworkers and uh customers. And so it's, um, the question is, you know, what, what do you do, you know, at what point do you do something else or, or, or stop doing this? And that's a, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but I've been thinking about it. And so has been my partner. She's been teaching for over 25 years. Um, and so, yeah, the question becomes what – there was a, an acquaintance who said uh, mentioned the idea of years of vitality. I mean, not just how many years you'll live, but how, how many years you have a certain amount of energy. Um, I don't think I'm going to hike the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, there's certain things, like physical things, I know are not going to happen. So – I'm not going to learn to rock climb. I I know that. No, no. (laughs) So, so yeah, so it's a great question. I mean, we're just trying to figure that out. And those are the kinds of things that, um, that I think it makes life wonderful with my partner because we can talk about these things and we don't know the answers, but you know, we're, we're, you know, this is, this is it. We have to figure out what's going to happen. And that that's kind of what, you know, happened a bit with, with all our life changes, I'm so lucky to have somebody that's been with my life, been with me my whole adult life, and somebody who um, I can talk to about these different, you know, big changes. And um, it's just so happened that in our lives, we've moved to different places um, for each other. Um, and almost it's, kind of, it's been a certain amount of kismet because. Um, I moved to Chicago to be with her, and then I got. Uh, then I moved to, or we moved to North Carolina, and she moved with me. And then she got a job in Springfield, Ohio, and I moved with her. So it actually actually is my, my turn next. But it's worked out well that we've been able to make these big decisions and have, uh, and and be together on that. But that that's what we're looking at right now is kind of, what's the what's the what's the last part of your life like? So, yeah, we want, it, we want it to be a choice, you know. Hopefully,
0: yeah. Well, you know, you know, I didn't mean to make it sound like it was going to be tomorrow. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, so there's so because the um, the Emporium has such life. You know, there's you know live music on Fridays. There's the wine tastings. There's the kitchen. There's the burritos. There's so much. You know, and when you think of all of the expansions and you think of all of that, you know, next steps could still be there, but you know, just looking, is like, well, what do I want this space to be, right? Yeah. And then, you know, after, you know, this space continues to grow, you know, what, what will I do? You know that, and I love the fact, um, I love the fact that you guys have been together, like you said, and you've been making these decisions and it's the give and take and then deciding together, like, hey, what are we gonna do now? Mm -hmm. You know, and it can be, and it doesn't have to be the last days of your life, but what you know (laughs) (laughs) what's you know, what's the next step? What's the next plan? You know, the next step
1: is for me to to join the the table of the old timers the emporium, have a cup of coffee.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Add your money to the little bucket and keep it going. That's right. That's right, that's right. Oh my goodness. Well, the emporium is um, is such a pivotal role. It plays such a pivotal role here. And I think listening to your story, it's it's understandable as to why it's so personable and how it keeps going because you definitely your passion for that type of community and that type of experience really exudes out. and um and it's such an incredible thing, and your story is just it's just incredible. I know that, you know, being together for that long. Some of us are single, so I ain't gonna say I don't like it, but it's a <laughs> cute story. It's a cute. <laughs> you may, may find love at the Emporium. Uh, listen, we'll just put it out there. Look, I'll be there tomorrow from 12 to 5.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Philip, Philip, we've had um, two weddings, one of them impromptu at the Emporium, mm. and at least a couple of uh, romances and marriages that have come from meeting at the emporium but wow. i remember one time i showed up and there was a woman standing in the emporium and looked you know she I just from her look i thought something's up And i'm like hey you know i talked to her talking to her and she's like i'm a unitarian minister i'm supposed to meet a couple here and they they came into the emporium she was looking for them and she married them in the emporium and i opened a bottle of kava and we had some had some sparkling and uh it was wow. Those, uh, and that was unbeknownst to us we we didn't know we were going to host a a little ceremony but yeah so so lo- there is love in the important. yeah
0: well you know that, that means there's hope so uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me schedule my stand outside and see what I <laughs> yeah.
1: you can get a minister on call at any right. moment.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So, Kurt, Kurt, thank you so much for taking the time out and uh and talking with us today thank you thank you
1: Oh uh, well thank you philip you're 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 one of the people in yellow springs that uh makes it what it
0: is. Oh, I appreciate that, I appreciate that. (laughs) So if you got nothing else, you know, everybody's story matters and you would be surprised just like it's uncovered and discovered today how much somebody's story really impacts your life. How much of Kurt's story and his decisions to go to the Emporium and to really foster that sense of community and continue to foster, it really impacts everybody's life that comes into that place or hears about it. So if you're out there and you're thinking that your story doesn't matter, your impact doesn't matter, what you do day in and day out, what your passions are, they don't matter. Hopefully this story and Kurt's story and the story of the Emporium helps you to understand them, that each person is connected and your story matters. Remember that you are the best you in the world and we will see you next time here on The Phillips Show. Don't wait.